Heartbreak and Hot Pot. And Hot Pot and Heartbreak and Ghosting and Hot Pot and Heartbreak and Heartbreak and Hot Pot and Hot Pot and Heartbreak. There's more Heartbreak and there's some Hot Pot and Ghosting and Heartbreak. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. This is Heartbreak and Hot Pot. How I lost 45 pounds in six months. My name's Kevin. This is episode seven. In the last episode, we talked a bit about Lori and some things going on. We're going to jump right back into some of her obsessions. Um, We're going to talk a bit about COVID and the outside world again. So I'm just going to jump right into it. Yeah, we talked about some of Lori's obsessions with, you know, like like baking and jumped into it and then right back out in kombucha. Her next one was hiking. Uh, she really wanted to hike the trails of Minnesota and maybe beyond there. You know, we, we watched documentaries on the Appalachian Trail, on the Pacific Crest Trail, all the trails. And, and we also watched a lot of mountain climbing documentaries, you know, fascinating stuff. So we did that instead of reality TV for a while. She really wanted to hike long distances. And she was a little bit physically challenged. She's like four foot nine. She's never been overly strong, in my opinion. You know, the only compliment I received from her in the goodbye email was that she valued my strength, you know, not my love. But she was off. She was researching and buying all the lightest hiking equipment, you know, a sleeping bag, a tent, a backpack. She made food and vacuum sealed it for the trail. I mean, she was really obsessed with this, and she was, you know, she was doing all the right things. I mean, she was planning it out correctly. And what she was planning was a solo hike. You know, we never talked about me joining her, which is fine. Yeah, we were drifting apart. Why wouldn't we share this adventure? You know, did she really need to prove she could do this solo? So then came the big event. She had really planned out hiking the superior trail on her own you know the trail stretches 310 miles along lake superior it starts all the way up at the canadian border on the north end of the lake and uh, the northeast end of the lake and it goes all the way down to duluth minnesota so we put the dogs into a kennel for the night so i could drive her north about a five-hour drive when we got out of the vehicle she lifted her pack and said oh this is heavy Holy shit. (laughs) Hadn't she checked that before we started out? I mean, did she even take a knife to protect herself? I mean, what was going on? You know, I'd left her to her own devices. I didn't want to get in her way. But I guess it's a little foreshadowing. She took off on the trail and I drove home. So I had 10 hours in the vehicle on Saturday. Woe is me. You know, it's a Sunday morning. I picked the dogs up from the kennel early and then we went home. And about 11 a.m., I received the call. I can't continue. You have to come get me. So I threw the dogs immediately into the vehicle, and I took off. Five hours later, I found her walking on the side of the road, miserable. She threw her backpack into the back of the car, and we took off. Never, you know, no thanks. (laughs) I drove 20 hours that weekend for her. I was committed and happy. I thought everything was good. You know, would I have liked to have intimacy? Yeah. I missed it. But the stable home life was the most important thing to me. We were building a future. I'd do anything for her. Have I mentioned that? One day she became very upset out of the blue. This was really just out of nowhere. She said that she was worried about her future 
because she'd have no family near her. You know, one brother lives in Madrid, one lives in New Zealand. Stepmom, who lives in our hometown of Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, was going to move to New Zealand, be with her son. Her mom and stepfather live in North Carolina. I said that I was her family several times. This didn't make her feel any better. These were clues, you know, about how much she didn't like me. And I just, uh, I don't know if I'm dumb. I just didn't pick up on it at the time. I really thought we were going to be married, meet together for the rest of our days. I kept telling her that I was her future. I didn't understand. You know, things continued on like that, normal for some time. I walked the dogs. I cooked my food. She ate cereal. I cleaned the house top to bottom once a week. I made her bed. I took care of the lawn. I did all the manual labor for the garden we put into the backyard. And the gardening in the front, uh, she she planned the work, and I, I did it. In the winter, I did all the snow clearing for us and for some neighbors. You think? I'm a pretty nice guy, I'd say. So, um, back to the outside world. You know, COVID kept ripping through everybody. You know, it was just, I, I had more problems staffing the salons. But government money kept us afloat. There was a paycheck protection program. You know, you might have heard of the PPP. I had two of those that were forgiven. I had an economic impact disaster loan, EIDL, half a million dollars. And then there was the employee retention credit, uh, which was basically giving you back the payroll tax that you'd paid in, or a portion of it, uh, to keep you afloat. So all these things kept our doors open, really kept our 33 people employed through the worst of these difficult days. Yeah. Um, we were still burning through money. You know, I was still paying rent on one closed salon. It was $3,600 a month for nothing other than a meeting and a training space. I mean, no business can survive expenses like that with no income to show, you know, for the location. Uh, then we had to close the Northfield salon. We just couldn't keep a staff there. You know, we had somebody out with pregnancy, and when you know, she was supposed to return, she decided to stay home with her, her, new, her newborn fully understandable it's just we we couldn't staff and uh, we we're losing the money at a rate we just couldn't sustain you know we had people that wouldn't show crew work we had people that got you know covid it always it just was always something you know i i didn't mention that before we got all that government money i i completely burned through everything i had my retirement account sold my house in san diego to keep the business afloat Actually, the, the bank took everything from the sale of the house right away to pay down that original loan. We did pretty good on the sale. I made about $150,000 over my purchase price in about a year. <laughs> California. I believed in this business. I believed in myself. You know, other salons were closing around us. You know, maybe maybe we'd be able to hire some more people, get some more customers. We, we were going to survive. Then we closed another one. Uh, we closed the salon in Egan that we called Egan South on Cliff Road, near my favorite sushi restaurant. <laughs> the owner of the restaurant, Kazuko, asked me, if you're shutting the salon, will you ever come back? Of course. <laughs> it's the best sushi I've ever had. Spicy ramen is a work of art. You really need to check it out if you're ever in Egan, Burnsville area. Again, we had to shut due to inadequate staffing. You know, But by, by closing this one, we were able to staff up our, our Egan North salon on Yankee Doodle Road. God, COVID's miserable. You know, 
then uh, back to back to the home life some more strange things started happening with Lori. It was New Year's Eve. We were driving in the car, and the U2 song, New Year's Day, came on. And she started laughing, and she mentioned it, looking at me, waiting for my reaction like it was a funny joke. I had no reaction because I, I really didn't see the humor in it. You know, She was noticeably upset. She stayed silent for the rest of the drive. What did I do? It wasn't funny. It was a song about New Year's Day, played on New Year's Day. Is that a coincidence? I think she felt like I was trying to put her down by not laughing along. Could I have laughed? Yeah, but I didn't think to at all. It didn't seem funny. The next day she said that she really liked you too. So I then mentioned that one of my favorite artists with, you know, and she'd listened to a lot of uh, Matt Nathanson. He had recently released a new album. It was a perfect cover of U2's Octung Baby. It was called Octung Maddie. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was better than the original, in my opinion. I'm not that much of a U2 fan, um, but his interpretation was good. She snapped at me that she hated Matt Nathanson. <laughs> what? That came out of nowhere. She hated him? And I'm pretty sure this is revenge for my not laughing at whatever the U2 New Year's Day joke was about. Pretty childish, in my opinion, but I think she was just in the process of racking up evidence against me, you know, things that she felt were bothersome. And uh, just, like I said, I think she decided to get rid of me some time ago, but was just trying to figure out how. So then came the big one, the how. <laughs> you won't believe what the tipping point actually turned out to be. So Lori always placed a cover over her food when she was microwaving something. I only did it sporadically. I did it when I had food that likely would splatter. I don't I don't know why I didn't do it every time, but so she had gone out and she bought a beautiful new microwave for over the stove. Yeah, she did buy it. It was the one appliance she bought. And I installed it. It looked great. It was white, went along with the new stove, new dishwasher. Uh, one night when it was still fairly new, I microwaved something with no cover on the plate. She snapped at me that she wanted me to use a cover always. I kind of rolled my eyes because of the tone she used with me. When she would, I don't know how to describe it. When she would want to get a point across, she became very stern. And it it was just very, it was always a put down, it sounded like. It was like her mother talking you know, she could sound very upset and angry over very little things. It was always a tone I didn't respect. It showed little respect for me and what I brought to us. I also rolled my eyes because I was the one that kept the house clean. I was the one that kept us sanitary. I That microwave would always be clean. You know, she rarely did anything towards cleaning. Like I said, the microwave would always be clean. I mean it. <laughs> it was like sharing that damn salt and pepper on the counter. I clean because I can't stand a mess. I always clean. That was the beginning of the end, in my opinion. You know, Kurt Vonnegut, towards the end of his life, once wrote this, and then his son Mark gave it in a speech after Kurt had passed away. But Kurt wrote this passage. He said, I guess you all know that I'm suing the manufacturer of Pall Mall cigarettes because their product didn't kill me, and now I'm 84. Listen, I studied anthropology at the University of Chicago after the Second World War, the last one we ever won. 
and the physical anthropologists who had studied human skulls going back thousands of years said we were only supposed to live for 35 years or so because that's how long our teeth lasted without modern dentistry. Weren't those the good old days? 35 years and we were out of here. Talk about intelligent design. Now all the baby boomers who can afford dentistry and health insurance, poor bastards, are going to lose be 100. See, the struggle is real. I mean it. It's the sweet release. Even my favorite author wrote about it. So what actually happened with Lori? You know, what's the end of that story? We all want to know. <laughs> so it was February of 2022. I got up early Saturday morning of the 12th. It was two days before Valentine's Day, as you might guess. 5 a.m., take the dogs out for an early walk, then give them some breakfast. Then I do my daily sales analysis and my break-even from the prior day. Send out some messages of encouragement, support for you know the Saturday work. I'm in love. It's almost Valentine's. Lori loves flowers. <laughs> Did I mention I'm in love? I went out to the salons to do some work. I bounced around to a few, took care of a few things. Then I decided to head home midday. On the way, I picked up a dozen roses because it was almost Valentine's Day. You know, why not do this on Saturday instead of Monday? You know, I mean, Monday's a work day. So we could do some fun things on Saturday, you know, love, appreciation for what we had, our love, our companionship. I walked into the house at about 1230 in the afternoon. Lori was sitting on the couch. She was playing a game on her computer. I bought that computer back before I moved to her house. Did I mention that? <laughs> it all burns me a bit, sorry. I presented the roses to her, and I also had the usual cards from the dogs, which she just adored. She just loved those. You know, I made cards from the dogs every holiday and on her birthday. I woof you. <laughs> a lot of misspellings, you know, a lot of really nice sentiments. You know, it, it was special, and she loved it. I thought it added so much to her world. You know, she'd never had her beloved dogs give her a card before. You know, the first time I gave her cards from the dogs, I thought she was going to start crying. She was so moved. She saw the roses. She saw the cards. She slowly got off the couch, and she walked over to me with a strange look. And she said to me, is it Valentine's Day? Had she missed it? I told her it was the 12th, but she loved flowers so much. Why not, you know, enjoy them today? And she gave me a very sad hug. In retrospect, it was sad. It seemed very reserved and it was limp. I was still happy. I'm an idiot. <laughs> so I needed to get some eyeglasses picked up at, at the mall. Did she, I asked if she wanted to join me, get out of the house. You know, she loved getting out because she worked in the house all week long. So we went to the mall. I picked up my glasses and then we walked around for a while. And after a bit of walking, you know, we were doing some window shopping just you know we weren't going into stores at all she turned and looked at me and said why are we here you know she 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 said i don't really need anything why are we walking around the whole mall so i was a little surprised at what you know at her tone it was like i dragged her there i you know I, again i thought that she'd want to go out and she did come along with me so we headed home and after a while beating at home it was getting close to dinner time so i asked her if she wanted her favorite lasagna from red rabbit 
or did she want something else? And she said, lasagna's fine. <laughs> so I ordered the lasagna, I ordered some salads, and I waited a while. And then I said, I'll, I'll be right back. And I was, I was gone 30 minutes. I was just gone 30 minutes. I mean, she must have been prepared, like ready all day long for this. Because when I returned, the house was empty. Empty. Lori and the dogs were gone. You know, I was worried. The whole house was just empty and silent. Silent. It was like negative 14 degrees Fahrenheit outside that night. I knew she wasn't walking the dogs because that was my job. So I called her. I called her on her cell phone over and over again. No, no answer. I called around to the local emergency vet offices, you know, the veterinary offices in the area. I, I mean, maybe something had happened to one of the dogs and she had to run over there. You know, she lived for the dogs. None of the vets had, had seen her or the dogs. Then two hours later, I got the call. So my phone showed she was calling, and I answered in a panic. I said, is everything all right? She said, it's over. I decided you have a week and a half to find a new place to live and get all your things out of my house. <laughs> I was in shock. I said, what about the dogs? I, that was just my first reaction for some reason. I loved the dogs as much as I loved her, and I took care of them. <laughs> my mind was reeling. I had no idea what to say. I mean, why did I ask that first? Because I thought she couldn't take care of them, plain and simple. She yelled, get your own dogs. The dogs were the most important thing in her life, way beyond me. Her voice had the hint of panic in it, like I was going to challenge her for custody. I started to ask for more of a reason why. And then a fire alarm went off wherever she was, you know, probably some nearby hotel. I bet she pulled the fire alarm to get off the phone. I mean, she is that much of a planner. She yelled, I have to go. It was the very last time I've spoken to Lori ever. The very last time I've spoken to her. We were best friends in sixth grade. I mean, what was going through her mind? What did, what happened? I found the engagement ring sitting on her desk in her bedroom. She was done. She was gone. That was the ring that she'd searched for and dreamed of that I made a reality for for her. I, I mean, she wanted to go to San Francisco or New York to find a ring. She found this perfect ring. When I put it on her finger, her smile was just pure, was beautiful. We were in love. I was so happy. I adored her. So there was that ring just sitting on a blank post-it note. Not even a goodbye note. A blank post-it note. Why? blank. <laughs> My future was just shattered. All the love I'd tried to pour into her life meant nothing to her. She was emotionless. She was cold. She needed a clean break from me. It just hurts so bad. It still hurts. It's the only way I can describe it is just hurt. It's the hurt of a giant vacancy in my heart. I mean, when will miracles start to happen? Why can't I have what I want? Why can't I have something like, you know, I, I walked out of a pharmacy today and a couple were laughing and they kissed in the parking lot and my heart just ached. You know, what, what did I do? Why can't that be me? What did I do? <laughs> uh, well, self-pity, I know. Pity, pity me. So I'm going to wrap up episode seven here. 
when we get into episode eight, we're going to get into my move, you know, and the, some of the things that happened with that move and my psychological condition. Uh, I really appreciate you listening. If you have questions for me, you can reach out to me at Kevin, K-E-V-I-N, at hotpotforlife.com. And the word for is spelled out F-O-R, not the number four. So please email me your questions, or if you have a story to share, you're welcome to share it with me, and uh, maybe we'll put it on on the air here. Thank you again for listening, and uh, share this with a friend, and I hope you have a great rest of your day or evening. Take care. Hot pot. Heartbreak. Heartbreak and hot pot. Heartbreak and hot pot. Hot pot, hot pot. Ghosting, hot pot and ghosting, hot pot and heartbreak, heartbreak and hot pot, and hot pot, and hot pot, and hot pot, and heartbreak.